So everybody can work on the same skills. Not everybody can be funny. Jerry demonstrated that. Welcome to Stand Up Stand Up, presented by IT Misfits. This is where tech professionals and comedy intersect daily in your new favorite stand-up meet. Each episode has two parts, a roundtable discussion on an IT topic, and then an open source open mic, where each comic shares or works on a stand-up comedy bit. At the end of the week, we perform our final crafted bit. Just like any good stand-up meeting, we try to make these short and valuable. Hopefully, this brings a smile to your day, gives you something to think about, and most importantly, gives you something funny you can share with other IT professionals. All right. Well, welcome to my fellow misfit, Tim Stevens. Today, we're continuing our interview with Matt Abrahams. But before we get into that, let's do a little open source comedy. I think at this point, Elon is like Santa Claus. He knows when I'm sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. And Twitter knows if I've been good or bad. So be good for goodness sake. I'm pretty sure he's listening to everything we say, and they're just connecting him to the Matrix at night and downloading everything into his brain. Then they put him to sleep with, like, the Michael Jackson drip. And five hours later, he wakes up and goes, oh, Jerry Black wants a hot tub for Christmas. And these days, they're all creating their own versions of artificial intelligence. They'll probably all end up in a room together at some point, rubbing their hands and looking at everyone like a giant risk board game, but it's human demographics. Zuckerberg, you're going to get housewives and grandparents. He's like, don't forget Instagram. Oh, yeah, that's right. You get softcore porn as well. Elon, with Twitter, you get angry men, 30 to 60, all of the LGBTQ+, along with any maladjusted women, all ages. Bezos, you know, you get everyone too lazy to leave their house to physically shop. And people that like books. Pretty small island there for you, sorry. All right. Well, with that, let's get back into the interview. Uh, let's talk a little bit now about the, in the book, it is the six step talk smarter method. And I really, yeah. I think for our listeners who are generally IT individuals, this, I really hope that this is, this is the meat and obviously, you know, buy the book, listen to the podcast, because it's all going to be very helpful to them uh, and to you listeners as, as you are working on these skills but could you give us kind of that that would give us the walkthrough of the six steps absolutely so the, i've created over the years a six-step methodology this methodology was really born out of a need that stanford university had i teach at the graduate school and the deans came to me several years ago and said we need help and the issue is this our very bright students are choking. They're, they're not able to answer cold calls. Many of your listeners will remember the professor points at you and says, what do you think? And you have to respond on the spot. And these students knew the answer. They're very smart, but they just could not get a good answer out because of their anxiety, because of other issues. So I developed this methodology as a result of that. And it has six steps. The first four steps are all lumped together under this notion of mindset. It's how we have to change our mindset. And then the last two steps are really about messaging. So I'll very quickly run through them and I'm, I'm happy to drill down on any of these. The first of the six steps, first of the four mindset steps has to do with anxiety. Anxiety looms large in all of our communication, but especially especially when we're put on the spot. Most people get nervous speaking, period, but 
especially in impromptu situations. The second step has us getting out of our own way. Many of us, when we communicate, we want to do it right. We want to be perfect at what we're saying. And that's that striving for perfection gets in the way of actually being able to do it well at all. That's what was happening to the MBA students. So I often say, strive for connection over perfection. And then step three is about reframing these situations. Many of us see spontaneous speaking as a threat, as a challenge. Imagine in a job interview where your boss comes up to you and says, I have a few questions for you. Most of us don't go, oh, that's great. I'm so excited. We, we think, oh, no, I have to defend myself. I have to be on my game. This is a challenge for me. Yet if we flip the way we see these and see these as actually opportunities where we can actually extend, expand, collaborate our idea with our ideas, all of a sudden it changes the whole dynamic. And then the final step under mindset is listening. And both of you might be saying, wait a minute, you're talking about speaking in the moment, but in order to get the right response, you need to make sure that you're listening well. And I'll give you an example. Jerry, imagine Tim comes out of a meeting and he asks you for feedback. He goes, hey, what do you think? How'd that go? And you might list a whole bunch of reasons that it didn't go well, why things could have been better, what you two should do different next time. But had you really listened, you might have noticed that Tim came out of the back door, not the front door. You might have noticed that Tim, when he asked you the question, was staring out the window and didn't have his normal gregarious voice. You might have come to realize, had you listened better, that what Tim was asking for was not feedback, but was support. He didn't feel good about huh. how that meeting went. And you, what you did was exactly the wrong thing. By layering on all these things that he should have done, you did exactly the opposite of what he needed. So we have to listen well to make sure whatever our response is, is, is a good one. So that's mindset. I know I'm talking a lot. Let me get through the last two quickly. The last two steps are messaging. I am a huge fan of structure. When we communicate, what is so important is to structure it. Now, many people in IT, many engineers who are programmers, you understand the value of structure. Structure helps in many ways. If you're a coder, it makes it more concise and clear. It makes it repeatable. Um, if, you're a, if you're doing IT work, you know, having structure to the process, very important. You can run QA on it. It's reliable. You can repeat it. Structure can do the same things in communication. So having a structure to your message really matters. And then the final step is what I call the F word of communication. It's not that naughty one that, Jerry, you just thought of. I saw you smile. Um, it has to do with focus, not that other thing. Many of us, when we speak, we say too much. We're discovering what we want to say as we're saying it. And that means we're rambling on and on. So we need to be concise and clear. So six steps, four about mindset, two about messaging, and with practice, and like you said in the book, I give lots of ways to practice it as you're going along. Uh, it, this methodology can help people be more comfortable and confident speaking spontaneously. So thank you. I thank you for going into that detail. And no, you're not talking too much. I love it. Um, I do want to ask, so so part of what we do is we do a stand-up comedy, right? And and so yeah, yeah. part of the part of the the fun here is that we get into that. But one of the keys to stand-up comedy is that connection and trying to make a connection with the audience really very early on in your set. And if you don't make that connection, then it, it really it, it will it's difficult to to ring true to the audience and to find that common ground. So can you give a little bit because it's I stand-up comedy, you could argue is spontaneous, is not spontaneous. Obviously, we practice it a lot before we uh, uh -huh. before we ever do it. 
clearly um, my older woman needing help needs some uh, some additional practice. But I think a little more practice, but that's good. <laughs> but <laughs> but with that said, around. what would you call like like that connection? What are some maybe some additional tips on yeah. building that connection quickly in a, in that type of environment? Uh, excellent question. So. Uh, in writing the book, I, I consulted a lot of improv experts. I'm a huge fan of improvisation. I have learned a lot of improv from people like Patricia Ryan Madsen, Adam Tobin, Dan Klein. These are people who've been doing it for years. Uh, I am not necessarily great at improv, but I do enjoy it. And those, the principles of improv can really help you speak in the moment. A lot of people think of improv as about being funny. It's not. It's about thinking quickly on your feet and giving yourself permission to do so. I also, for the book, interviewed some stand-up comedians, most notably somebody named Trevor Wallace. Uh, and it was really fascinating to think to learn how he prepares for these situations. And I went to him to speak particularly about hecklers, because if you think about it, that's a super challenging situation that arises a lot for stand-up comedians. And, and I've always been fascinated by how well mo most comedians handle hecklers. So um, I, I've done a lot about stand-up comedy and, and thinking about it and how it relates. And you're right, most stand-up comedians prepare a lot. They practice a lot over and over again. Yet they, they're doing that practice to prepare themselves to be in the moment and spontaneous to what the audience uh, does with their material. So it's one of these really nice examples of how you prepare to be spontaneous, which sounds a little uh, opposed, but in fact, it, it, it works a lot. How do you engage an audience, which was your big question, and I, I took a long time to get to this. A lot of engagement has to be with being present and noticing what's going on. There are really three ways to engage an audience. One is physically, to, do, to get them to do something physical with you. You know, a good stand-up comedian uh, is a very physical stand-up comedian. Think, think of Chris Rock, for example. He doesn't just stand behind a mic and tell jokes. He's moving all the time. He's being very descriptive. He's getting the audience involved in a physical manner. Another way to get your audience involved is mentally. Ask them questions. Ask them to envision. Use, use analogies. I mean, some of the best humor is comparing things to things that typically you don't think get compared, right? And so that engages people. And then finally, use language. Language is a great way to engage people. Uh, great comedians play with language. One of my all-time favorite comedians is George Carlin. And, and his ability to play with language, I think, is just fantastic. So those are ways that you can engage the audience. Notice what's happening in the moment and comment on it. Um, you know, Robin Williams is another favorite of mine. I, I had the, the pleasure of seeing him live once. And, and I, I kid you not, my stomach hurt for three days. And I think I I heard like half the jokes. I was so busy laughing. Um, he played this big stadium near where I, I live. Um, but he's all about what's happening in the moment, right? What happens in the moment, he knows, you know, so those are the ways I think we engage our audience. And the cool thing for both of you to know is all those skills play out when you're doing a Zoom meeting, when you're talking to your team, when you're talking to your boss. If you can get them physically involved, mentally involved, use language to keep them involved, that's what makes a difference. So, so everybody can work on the same skills. Not everybody can be funny. Jerry demonstrated that. Uh, but, but with work, I'm sorry, Jerry, I'm just picking on you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just picking on you. Um, but, but no, it, these are things that can really help in your communication. Yeah. Hey, Matt, I, and this is one of your older YouTube videos, I think yeah. it was about eight years ago. 
Yeah. Um, right now it has 32 million views. It's on the Stanford business, uh, YouTube channel, but you talked about the physical reaction to being nervous before you get on a stage and you speak in front of a group and that fight or flight response that comes into effect. And all of these things that you explain were pretty traumatic when I listened to it. I thought it was, but I love that because it's the science behind why am I not yeah. breathing right right now? You know, yeah. why is my blood pressure up? Why am I sweating and things like that? So I, I love that. And then you went into, you know, here are some of the things that you can do to combat that physical yeah. reaction so you can speak clearly. Um, and I, you know, I, I'd love to hear about that more. But one of the things that I'm interested in, because I've picked this up, and I don't know if this is doctrine, but I've just noticed it. I've done some Toastmasters in the past is that I notice when anybody gets on stage or in front of a group, regardless of how polished they are, that there's a period between, I'd say, 15 and 20 seconds, sometimes more, where you can sense the nervousness, regardless of how well and how long they've been doing that. And then over time, it goes away and they're more relaxed. They're animated. They're confident. They're speaking clearly. Is that in the doctrine? Do you know of that? Is that something that's been studied or is that just a behavior that, you know, is just expected when you get on the stage for 15 to 20 seconds after that? Yeah. So, so several things you commented on that I want to, I, I have some thoughts about. So first and foremost, Toastmasters is an amazing organization. I am a former yeah. Toastmaster. I literally two weeks ago was a, a presenter at their international conference. I think Toastmasters is a great organization for people hoping to work on their communication skills. As you well know, Tim, they focus both on plan presenting, but they do spontaneous speaking too. They call it table topics. Table so, topics. Yep. Yeah, it's it's both. Um, now, to your point, there is a, a there is a studied phenomenon. Those of us who study this academically, where people are most nervous. Most people are most nervous the minute before speaking and through the first minute of speaking. Makes sense. And then people tend to calm down. Uh, there are some people who who follow a different pattern, but the vast majority of people follow that pattern. And it, it makes sense, right? It's in that first moment. You're 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 feeling the full response of fight or flight. You're you're trying to connect with the audience. Very challenging. Uh, there are some things you can do to reduce that intensity of that initial moment. I call that going from silent, silence to brilliance, and that can be really, really challenging. So a couple things to do right before you speak that work for many people. My first book, Speaking Up Without Freaking Out, was about 50 techniques that can help people manage anxiety. I don't expect all 50 to work. Everybody's different. But if you can find three to five that work, that's great. So here are some that work for most people. One, taking a deep belly breath. If you've ever done yoga or Tai Chi or anything like that, where you really fill your lower abdomen before you speak and focus on the exhale being longer than the inhale. You know, one of the things I love about hosting a podcast and interviewing just amazingly smart people who study this stuff, uh, I learned from somebody named Andrew Huberman. He's he's blown up in the podcast world. He's, yeah. he's amazing. Uh, he talked to me about, the exhalation is where all the magic happens in this breathing thing. And so my rule of thumb, or since I'll try to be funny, the rule of lung is that you want your exhale to be twice as long as your inhale. And all you have to do is two or three of these and it'll calm you down. The other thing you can do is mental. So that's physical. Mentally remind yourself that you are in service of your audience and you have value to bring to your communication. Many of us get inside our heads and say a lot of negative things right before we start speaking, which makes that anxiety 
at the beginning worse. We say things like, oh, I should have prepared more, or I'm not going to be as good as Jerry was, or why am I doing this? And Tim isn't, I mean, all this negative soundtrack is playing. So if we can remind ourselves that there's a reason you're speaking, people have asked you to speak or want to hear from you because you have value to bring. So if we can say some kind of positive affirmation or mantra, athletes do this all the time. Golfers are notorious for this. When they go to putt, they'll say something like calm or steady something to just get them focused in the moment that's positive. They don't say, oh, you're going to screw up or better not miss the putt. So we need to do something similar. Now, you can also think about your content to help reduce the anxiety you feel right at the beginning. I, I have coached, I coach many people, but I've coached once this very senior leader at Google, and he was very nervous when he started speaking. So what we would do is the beginning of every one of his, his all hands, where he had thousands of people, uh, is we would distract the audience. Literally, this is what he would say. Good morning. Let's watch this video. And he would show a quick YouTube video. People would watch it. And as soon as it was done, he would then facilitate a discussion about the topic of the video that was relevant to his meeting. So he was never presenting. He was either introducing or facilitating. And he felt much better in those positions. So are there hmm. things you can do to take a poll, tell a story, show a, a startling statistic, have people interact with each other. That takes you out of in that moment and you can actually do some deep breathing, connect your thoughts. And then that first minute is done and then you can start moving forward. So there's a lot you can do through what you do physically with deep breathing, what you do mentally with saying something positive to yourself and in the way you structure that first minute to help you manage that peak in anxiety, Tim, that you rightly pointed out. Couple of things I'm going to comment on is yeah. if you're worried about Jerry outperforming you <laughs> before you get on stage, then maybe you're in the wrong place. Just want to throw that out there. But you know, Matt, what you shared about that leader from Google uh, showing that video to me—that's a cheat code right there. Yeah. Showing a video, you get that yeah. that focus off of you yep. that was just on you. I'm assuming he stepped into the shadows, probably wiped his brow, cleared his breath, took a drink of water, and then stepped in. I think that's awesome. But on the stage as a comedian, I have five minutes yeah, yeah. to get it together, perform, sell it, get a right. buy-in, connect, and leave the stage, hopefully leaving a good impression yeah. and inspiring people. Yeah. So to say that I've got a minute to get warmed up, yeah, I've got to shorten that minute. I've got to use some of these techniques that you're discussing. But one thing yeah. and then we, we've got to move on is the the asking questions. Yeah, I think yeah. you mentioned that in one of yeah. your in that in that same book. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so so I, I totally get it. And and it's not just it's not just comedians. Think of a surgeon walking into a surgery that's an emergency surgery. Think of a lot of positions where people have to be in the moment, start right away with confidence. And so asking questions is a great way to do it. Commenting on something in the environment that everybody has a shared experience of, um, highlighting something in the room that's not you, that, that, that gets people connected or engaged. All of those are ways to get something started very quickly to get you engaged or get in, in, involved. And that, that can help a lot. Um, something stand-up comedians will do is they'll thank the person who went just before them. And that's a way just to distract the audience from their attention. And, you know, often you follow somebody who introduces you by saying, hey, wasn't that great? Everybody give a round of applause. 
you've just managed the audience to do something. Their attention is still thinking about the other person and then you can jump in. So that's a great way to, to mm, ignite, yeah. accelerate that. Oh, okay. Uh, so thank you. That's it for today's stand-up meeting. Remember, this isn't just a podcast. It's a weekly process to find the funny. You are front row at the birth of any of this comedy. It's open source. So please feel free to share this with people that you work with. If you share something funny with other people, their day will be brighter and you'll be amazed at how much better your day is because of it. Thank you very much for being here. Have a great day.